Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley and he's been fresh on about two years undercover and I think he's done, but he still owes me a 10 second car. How you doing, Stu? I'm not too bad. That one's totally over my head. What, a 10 second what? Yeah, Fast and Furious. Ah, oh, right, gotcha, gotcha. It's at the end of Fast and Furious, he go, he lets him go and he goes, remember I still owe you a 10 second car. Yeah. But yeah, I've been sort of semi-watching the Fast and Furious films just in dribs and drabs over the past few days, so... And I biffed, I biffed it all up for you, do apologise. Um, I've... S- <laughs> I saw... Uh, <laughs> I saw the very first one at the cinema uh, and that was kind of enough to put me off and then I watched um, some of the latter ones I don't know, the 7th one or the 700th I don't know um, Yeah, and it was kind of like mm, yeah, no, not for me so, no, they're totally different since. films the first one's actually quite a low-key I, I think a fairly decent sort of like drama almost in a way with like the underbelly of like crime and, and stuff like that and now the latest one's just the most over-the-top action stuff that you can get I, I love the way it's evolved i love the films because it's just big dumb stupid fun awesome yeah well i liked army of the dead so don't take my taste for, you know as any kind of i've <laughs> not seen that one yet i want to see that one um i've heard many good things well everybody hates it apart from me uh, oh really I've heard good things yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot of people say it's actually some of Zack Snyder's best work I mean it's a low bar but it is but I, it, for me if you liked his Dawn of the Dead and you liked 300 it's very much on that level it's schlocky B-movie crap and I know yeah I really liked it but that's not about video games video games oh yeah we talk about video games that's segway. right yeah segway video games aren't dead although some franchises are a bit zombie-ish yes and some of them might rise. No. We're not just... Do- what? Edith's here, by the way. Hey, Edith. Say hello. Hi. Right, now can you bugger off? <laughs> um, so, do you want me... Shall, shall we Shall we reverse it again? Because I've played a couple of bits. I know you've not played much. So, shall I go first? Why not? Why not? So, first one I want to chat about is... I've been playing more Subnautica. Um, there's going to be a theme to some of these games in terms of relaxation that I've played. But Subnautica, I don't know what progress I'm making. In I've played now both because I had to, I've got to do it kind of almost for the coverage. But I've played like the original Subnautica and some Below Zero, um, and I've put many many hours into it. And I don't know how much progression I've made. I don't know if I'm getting that far into the story, whether I've got all the bits. But I just love moving around the worlds uh, the underwater environments are amazing the, the like the changes made up for below zero are amazing and they are just absolutely sort of stunning worlds to be in that i've completely forgot they're a game yeah and that there's gameplay elements to it i just love being almost like from an adhd point of view games that just let you be are very rare uh, where it, you know, at no point does it go, oh, you've got to do this, otherwise the game just comes to a complete standstill. The game will just happily let you just swim around and look at the wildlife and interact with like little bits. And if you want to go further, yeah, of course you can. I think there was only sort of like really one or two t- time vital moments that happened in the game, but they're early, but they don't seem to affect, you know, what you what you get to do. 
um, at any other point. Um, and it's just really weird. I, I couldn't review the games because I'm not playing the games. I'm just existing in them. Um, and they're worlds that are allowing me to do that. And I think what games like that need to be re really, really commended. And I think I've spoke about before, what I really love is you've got the main game that's got all the full survival options in it. So you've got to make sure you're keeping your hunger levels and things like that all, all in check. Or you can play the exact same game without the survival mechanics, um, where you've got to worry about your health, like if you get attacked by some of the more aggressive wildlife and stuff, or you can drown. But you haven't got to worry about your hunger, your thirst meters, or, or, or anything like that. And yeah. it's just brilliant to have those options and yeah I, it's I, I still don't know what the games are because they're just amazing environments to be in that's so cool oh, we've been talking about accessibility as kind of mm. a theme for the last sort of two or three months even and uh, it's so important and it's getting more and more important and funnily enough I'm playing one that's totally like that I'm playing Bravely Default 2 as you know and yeah it's got everything that you could think of in terms of tweaking the experience for yourself so you can make it harder or easier on the fly with the options you can you're constantly given items that you can use that will make loads of uh loads of enemies attack you so you can quickly build up your experience points and not just yeah. fight after fight but it does it so that you get a multiplier if you choose to fight lots of people at one time yeah it also throws items at you that help you avoid fights so you just use one of them if you're not in a place where you want to do that um you can fast forward uh, battles so that they run really quickly you can skip animations it's just everything that you would think that you want to kind of like maximize that experience for yourself and cut out the chaff yeah that's all in there just like subnautica and it, it makes such a massive difference especially when you're a working adult and you've got no time you know uh, it just it, it just makes it so much better yeah, 100%. And I think there's a lot of... I think when a lot of people consider accessibility, they look at things like colourblind modes and things like that, like the obvious disabilities that are out there. So I don't think enough attention is brought to the games that offer the hidden disability accessibility options. Um, and I, I, the fact there seems to be more of those out there, especially in, like you mentioned, Bravely Default, um, that in a more traditional game that they're there for those two. Yeah. Um, you know, something like Subnautica, I, I get why it's there because they you know, they've created such a wonderful open world for you to be in. I get it. But to see it involved in stuff like Bravely Default 2, it, it is really good to see as well. And I'd really like to see that added to sort of like more traditional games. And I know it got called out at one point with uh new super mario brothers i think it was where you can have a like luigi just literally play through a level for you yep yeah and that's brilliant because you know again even as someone i i can play through it and it's fine i've not used it but i know i've played um certain games that require you to have almost like pixel perfect aims and, and things like that to get through levels and I would have times where I've gone, I can't do this particular level in this game. I'm enjoying it, but now I've got to this point, I'm stuck. Whereas I'd like something to go, I'll tell you, okay, look, I'll get you through this bit. Or let's make this bit super easy. Again, Celeste is really good for its checkpointing uh, and stuff like that. We spoke about Hades in the past that um, 
gives you better health options and loads of different little tiny little subtle changes that make it easier if you struggle with it and i believe spyro if you go back to like the original spyro games they had um, options in it that made the game easier if you kept failing but still made but didn't actually tell you it was doing that at least you know it has been there and i just want to see it celebrated more and just games that are laid to play you've bought the game you've bought the game it should be up to you how you play it. And, as you know, the options are there, whether that is an easy mode, whether that is help through, whether that is skips or anything like that, or just removing limits. It's just so good to see. Uh, for me, yes, yeah, Subnautica um, is a wonderful example of how to do a survival game and making it accessible to so many different people. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds really great. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, sort of to cap that off... I- Games have been around long enough now to be old-fashioned. It's really Mm. strange. They were always the new thing. They were always the the new um, medium, you know? Yeah. Uh, But they've been around long enough now to have stuff that is totally dated and just should be gone. And it really goes right back to that fact that they came out of the arcades. And it was like, to play this... We get we you have to put like ten p in or a quarter if you're in you know America, uh, and we will make it as hard as possible and as addictive as possible so that you die very quickly and put more money in, and all of that going from you know having it be really difficult and punishing, having the easy mode be something that you're culturally discouraged from using, not having any sort of skip options, all of these things. They're so old-fashioned. They just don't relate to modern gaming. Uh, unless you, as a default, have that as the default. They, you can have those things as options, you know, by... Of course you can. And there are loads of games that do that. But the default should be, throws you straight into the game. You can come in and out of the menus whenever you like. You can adjust the difficulty whenever you like. And etc. etc. All the stuff we talked about. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's really old-fashioned if you don't do it. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, with the new, the new, the Turtles reboot stroke remake stroke sequel that's coming out, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they do it because that's a traditionally very difficult arcade game designed to take your money um, because it was an arcade game. I would be very much okay with when they're doing that, seeing it get as many quality of life updates as it needs to make it worthy of playing at home. But I'm happy to then go stick an arcade mode in it, which is designed as though it was in an arcade and designed to take your your money. I don't mind seeing those modes put into games because, you know, there's still something endearing about those in the right setting. But when I look at things like um, when I played um, Daytona and you still had that where it's still got checkpoint systems that are really, really difficult and the outrun games, as much as I love them, stupidly difficult checkpoint systems takes the fun out of it at home to a degree leaderboard to what's the new way of doing that is the replayability now you know can you beat that time can you beat your mates time that that's how you do that now not allowing you to fail because you know you wasn't quite perfect enough to keep going without putting in another 50p or whatever so but yeah accessibility is definitely i think it's going to be the thing that this generation is known for i think the the way it approaches accessibility yeah cool yeah i agree uh i've been playing uh captain 
Toad Treasure Tracker on my Switch <laughs> a little bit. I've played it before, and uh, I, I don't think I ever got to the end. I think mainly because you know it was on a on a home based system rather than a handheld. And mm. this is a much better fit for it, and uh, it's got all that accessibility stuff Nintendo has. So that's a joy to sort of dip in and out of in the same way. Yeah, that that's all yeah. I've really had chance to do other than Bravely Default. So uh, it's a, it's yeah, a good game as well. Yeah, it is a good I, I can't remember. It's got it got updated with its own levels and it's got the 3DS levels in it as well, I believe. Probably. It's got uh, Odyssey levels in it as well, apparently. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, quite quite feature-rich by this point. It is, like, what, to... seven years old now. So Yeah, I might have to pick that up again. It's one of those where I had it, um, a fiscal copy, and needed to raise some funds, so ended up selling it, and I only got about a third of the way through. So I might, I might pick that one up again because I think you can get that for about only about twenty-five to thirty quid now, can't you? So, yeah, you can buy my copy off me when I'm done. <laughs> oh, there you go. I'll do that. Job done. For fiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah see, right. That's that's contractually obliged now. Oh goddammit! Knock <laughs> <laughs> no, that under the yeah. wire. Because I think Edith will like that as well. Toad's a lovely character. My wife calls him Mushroom Head because she uh, she calls mushrooms mushrooms. And Fair enough. She calls him Mushroom Head, uh, and that's how I always refer to him in, in my head now. So there you go, listeners. In embarrassing information, I didn't know why he was called Toad until I was about thirty. <laughs> I can get. I understand that. I, it took me a while. And so I went because he's a toadstool. Which is another... Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, if it makes you feel better, I I worked out about um, that Zelda game being called Dimin- the Minish Cap being diminished because you get smaller. Uh, it's a really quite sophisticated pun, especially for a Japanese company with English. I thought it was mine-ish. N- no, no, because it's like diminish, you see. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. but I, I kind of... Uh, there's quite a few all oh, right kind of moments when I tell people up. So it's the one time people in um in like in a in a city London actually sort of like understood it when they're going, What are you playing? I'm playing Diminish Cap. There you go. See? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> worked. Jesus Christ, that was poor. <laughs> that was poor. <laughs> well, you know, I'm used to it by now. <laughs> so before I get onto the main game I've been playing. I just want to touch also that it kind of follows on from Subnautica a bit. I've been playing more SnowRunner on the Switch, and it don't run great. I, I, I will admit that even I noticed some frame rate drops and, and, and odds and ends and bits like that. And it, but, oh, God, it's just so fun and relaxing to play, much in the same way that Subnautica is. You do have to follow the objectives a bit more. Uh, because it is a progression-based game to a degree, but you can take your time. There's no time limits to it. It encourages you to think and take your time with things, look at other ways around and all things like that. And, yeah, absolutely sort of like great options in there. And you can put your headphones on and ignore the children as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a, a, SnowRunner's a, a lovely game. It's a... a it's taken everything that I think Mudrunner does well, gets rid of a lot of the things it doesn't do well, and it's just a, a much, much better game. But yeah, I've been playing more than that on and off, um, so I thought I'd give that a little mention again. Uh, but the main game I've been playing for this week's podcast is a game called, uh, right, 100 Days, not 100 Days, 100 Days. I've got to get that right. 
which is a wine-making simulator stroke farming sim type thing. Okay. And it's a very unique game. So what you've got is a strategy game come puzzle game come deck builder lights plus farming sim and, and stuff like that. And it's kind of all of those things, but none of those things at the same time. All right. <laughs> so it sounds like really weird and complicated, but it's not. So basically, the way the structure is, you set up a a vineyard, select your area and what sort of crops you're, or vines you're going you're gonna to grow for your winemaking and things like that. And you sort of um, cultivate it all in like traditional farming sim ways so you've got to make sure that you're tending to the soil the crops you've got to consider the seasons what the weather's doing and all things like that um, and then kind of when it comes to actually making the the wine you're given almost like this very light card game based system where you get a card and you have to place it on a grid uh, like you get it it does things on a grid and you use that to go through the motions of making the wine and doing that will give you sort of like how good the quality of the wine is and uh, and loads just loads of little things like that it's a really well put together game and it's one of those that's very difficult to describe to someone and go this is what it is but I almost forgot about that I had to cover this because I've just been playing it on and off and it's just so relaxing. You know, the card game elements in it are honestly so light that they might as well not be there. But if they wasn't there, the game would lose so much. Um, and it's got all the things like you want to expand to be better to get sort of like more areas where you can get more different vines and do different types of wines and stuff like that and get your harvest going and when you expand it doesn't get overly difficult to maintain either which is something a problem i've had with like even things like stardew valley when i play is that when things get bigger i just kind of lose my focus on what what you need to do yeah uh, and with this, um, you know, you kind of go into it and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be quite a sterile game, you know, because it's like, that's the one thing you get with these. I either go down the Stardew Valley Stroke Animal Crossing route where they go charm or they go, right, look, we're going to be quite, here's the idea, the mechanics are right, and they're quite sterile. But with this one, it's not. It's It's... It's like a structured game, but there's elements of lightness and almost cartoonish in it with interactions between like you and your neighbours and the different characters and, and things like that. And, you know, it's got a charisma about it that I just wasn't expecting. And then sort of like the cards you get to play, the weeding you need to do as well and the harvesting and how the bottling works. And it just feels like it should be complicated, but you get maybe three, four cards in your hand at any one time. And it's just like, bang, bang, bang. Okay, they work together well. I'm going to get this. is going to go well. Oh, that's not work. So I've got to try and recultivate and things like that. And it just, yeah, I don't understand why I make it anymore, but <laughs> any more than I ever did before. But it's, um, it gives me an appreciation of it and it makes you feel like you're actually doing something like quite, I don't want to say upper class, but something quite cultural in a way. And yeah, it's just a really, really interesting game that it takes elements that are from so many other things, but feels unique without being too different. It's just, yeah, it's just lovely. Absolutely lovely game. Cool. Yeah. Excellent stuff. 
Um, so yeah, that's a winemaking simulator, which I never thought I'd ever get to play. Which again shows how good you know games are. Really, I think. Yeah, every every type of human activity now is is basically covered in video games. Uh, yeah, it's it's the equivalent of that um, scene from The Simpsons where they don't want to go and do the gardening, but are happy to play the gardening simulator. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> you know, it, that's what it's become. But you know, the fact is, every time you think you've played everything on offer, there's something new. Yep. Always something new that comes out, and you just go, "That shouldn't work," but it does. Indeed. Yeah, and just just to cover as well, we actually said as we're talking about value, um, there's a new bundle on itch.io that raising money for Palestine, and it's for a great cause anyway. It's a five dollar bundle, so in UK I think it's about three pounds seventy ish. And it's got just over a thousand games on it. Some of it crossing over with the racial equality bundle for anyone who got that one. And just to give people an idea of some of the great games that are in it, it has Nuclear Throw, Mini Metro, VVVVV. It has Hacknet in it, which is absolutely brilliant. It's got Minute in it, which is a really, really good game. Milk Made of the Milky Way is an excellent game as well. Cats are Liquid. I've given that a go. That's really, really good. But one I will say that stands out more than any and is worth it alone. So if you want to just pick out one game, so one game plus a thousand extra free, it has the amazing Mixalumia from Dave Makes, which is a Tetris stroke Lumini style game that just takes the elements from that and we've spoke about it on here before it's an absolutely amazing action puzzle game five dollars three pounds seventy for that plus one thousand extra games you can give more if you can spare it but absolutely wonderful and just also to add there is another bundle it's got more under the radar indie games but it's a another bundle on itch.io um with games dedicated to queer games developers which has a ton of interesting games in there. A lot of them are almost like concept style, like games and, and things like that. But again, that's about 5 to $10 and loads of value in there. Check that one out as well. That's both of those on itch.io. I think both for about another week, five to, five to seven days by the time you're listening to this. Agreed. Definitely go for those. Any more games for you before we move on? No, nothing else. No? So, so I was knocking it to you, so do you want to maybe knock it back to me? Okay, I'll knock it back to you. And then I can knock it back to you? Yeah, I'll knock it over. And then that. you can knock it back to yeah, me? Back to it's a bit you. like tennis, really, isn't it? Is. It is, yeah, segue, segue, yeah. Yeah, segue, there we go. We still need to get a stim for that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> segue! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do one, don't worry. There you go, clip that. <laughs> clip that <laughs> with an auto-tune it. <laughs> Or don't. Segway. 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 But yeah, I want to chat a little bit about um, this recent story with Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, and both the positive and the quite horrendous negative reactions that have come out of her dropping out of the French Open. So for anyone who doesn't know this story... Naomi Osaka, I believe she's she's still a teenager. 
um tennis player very young yeah yeah, yeah. Um, she was like the youngest winner of like the US Open or something like that at like 16 years old or something something really bizarre but anyway she's um recently decided she couldn't cope with handling speaking to the media after after games at the moment and so she decided she wasn't going to do that and the WTA finder said it's part of what she has to do so they find her because she wouldn't talk she didn't want to do the media conferences after each game so she decided to drop out of the French Open stating that you know for her own mental health she suffers with anxiety and depression and just wasn't in the right frame of mind to do it um, and generally the reaction to her doing it has been very positive people have gone no that's fair enough if you're not in the right frame of mind then go for it you know you shouldn't have to do the press conferences and if you're being forced to then fine drop out no one expects you to play with a bad shoulder or a dodgy knee or anything like that so of course if you're mentally not there that's fine now there are some people out there who are contrary for the sake of it and both sides of the pond i've seen it um, where she's been attacked for this you know, namely Piers Morgan over here, because of course, I believe, you know, some of like these contemporaries in the States, um, like Joe Rogan and people like that, have also attacked her for this uh, and so on. And these people don't learn. It really frustrates me that we still don't learn. You know, you go back to Robin Williams and him passing, we didn't learn from that. We didn't learn from Caroline Flack more recently. We didn't learn from from Gary Speed, the ex-Welsh footballer. And we just don't learn. We seem to hold celebrities or athletes to such high standards. Well, not even high standards, just impossible standards. Um, and it's not fair. It's just really, really not fair. When you see someone like Naomi Osaka, who's a young, gifted tennis player, have to take a break because of her mental health, that shouldn't be something we're looking at and either going, oh, you know, that's really good of her doing that, or or the other where people go, oh, well, you know, she's, she's, she's a sports star, she's got it easy, blah, 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 why is she doing this? It should just be, no, that's fair enough. If someone can't cope at the moment, then fine. That's absolutely fine. They shouldn't have to. Especially in sports, where I, I, I would happily see the end of post-match, post-game interviews, because they're pointless for me. Yeah. Why are they needed? You know, you see it after a game of football where the team's lost, or even when the team's won, they have to put up with the most mundane or stupid questions, or you're told, oh, we've got rumours that this player's not happy, or he wants to leave the club, what do you think? It's like, just, No. Stop. We, we don't need it, especially when you see sports stars who aren't comfortable being in front of a camera and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, what, what what are your thoughts on the whole situation? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that it's been turned into a bit of a sideshow. I'm not sure why. I think probably to justify so that the the broadcasters who pay for it can justify the fees that that they then pass on to the the consumers it's almost as if they feel they have to own the players mm. in some way you know so that they're not like they they haven't got their own autonomy 
um, so that you can push them around, make them feel like they're employees so that you, in a way that you can push them around into different spots and to do different kind of press and to show up on time. And it's all kind of like a kind of micromanagement dragging the most out of them that you can. And it is daft that young kids who all they want in life is to play this sport are then expected to have like you know media skills and coping skills time management skills all this stuff that really they shouldn't have to be focusing on Mm. Uh, and it is really detrimental to their mental health if they want to play a game and then you know bugger off home without speaking to anybody they should be allowed to do that they should have their autonomy but they don't seem to so yeah no it is a pretty desperate situation and then you see almost like the opposite side of it as well where you've got someone like marcus rashford who we look back in 20 30 years he's going to be remembered more for what he does outside of football than i think he ever will in just football and then all you get from people is oh shut up and just get on with playing sport yeah what do you want? Do you want these people to be intelligent and take interest and show that they actually care about the world around them? Or do you want them just to be in a bubble for your entertainment? You know, the double standards we expect is, is ridiculous. You know, when a footballer goes, you know, when we was going, the footballers should pay for the NHS and stuff like that. No, it shouldn't be on them, on their wages. But, you know, they still did get together. Jordan Henderson and many others got together and raised money for the NHS out of their own money um, and things like that. You've got one matter and his project 1%, which I think is an amazing thing. It's a great idea where 1% of any bit of money that passes through football goes to charity. You know, I think that's a really, really good idea, whether that's agent fees, player wages, transfers absolutely brilliant idea and i think that's actually something that could be done almost as a a taxation sort of thing we could all cope with losing one percent of what we're bringing in to give to charity and then have that spread around you know maybe not false but you know when you're earning the sort of money that some footballers and other sports stars are earning i get why they want to to do that you know it's a drop in the ocean for them but it means so much for many many charities but then he's being told to shut up and get on with football or, um, you know, oh, I bet he's eating well, you know, yeah, he's trying to do, like, oh, trying to get the, the poor to eat well and and uh, why is he not just giving these books away and stuff like that? And it's just a complete misunderstanding of what he's trying to do. Um, and, yeah, it's the, the double standards. And then as soon as they do try and express that, look, I'm not feeling right, no. No, go and be a robot. Go and entertain me. And I don't agree with it, but I get that almost in a team-based sport, whether that's rugby, cricket, football, basketball, ice hockey, you know, whatever. I get that to a degree because you're also with your teammates and it can be very important. But for something like tennis, where, yes, you've got a team around her, coaches and support staff and stuff like that, but essentially it's her on that court alone. If she's not in the right frame of mind to do it, for whatever reason, she knows she's not going to be able to put out her best performance, then she should be able to say, no, I don't want to do it. It shouldn't be something she's forced into doing or criticised for not doing. And, you know, I think Venus Williams, her reaction when she was asked about it, basically calling out the press and was on the likes of, you'll never be as good at this as what we are and you can't hold a candle to us. Um, I thought was absolutely... I, I want to see more sports people hit back at the media like that because the, the, the media, yeah. the hacks, and through us, uh, you know, the, the, the 
the whole us not me and you we're not the ones controlling it Stu but the whole of us where we go we want this we want this come on you know it's aimed at us as well because we're like oh you've not played well today you've not done well what's wrong with you we can't kick a ball as well as some of these people we can't play tennis as well as some of these people you know we can't act as well sing as well yet we will happily criticise and demand more from them and I, I think they need to hit back at us yeah yeah no I agree I agree and they should they should have that power they shouldn't even have to get to a stage where they need to do that they should just be that they have their own you know individual autonomy and, and can make those decisions for themselves and it is harder as you say I think for uh, individual sports people because um, you know they're very much their own one man band and yet they're being controlled at the same time it's like well you can't have it both ways you can't treat me as an employee but also at the same time expect me to be an independent agent yeah. I can only be one or the other so yeah so what what do you think I mean we, we, we're not going to solve this obviously because it's just me and you but what do you think needs to change how, how do you think it needs to change oh that's a big one mm. I mean, what needs to change in terms of the attitude is that they should be treated like human beings and there should be a better awareness of mental health conditions so that when somebody says they don't want to do something, then they should be allowed to not do it. How we get to that state, uh, it's really much harder question. I mean, if you extracted most of the money from these sports, then it wouldn't be a problem and it would be much more grassroots and, you know, people would have more control over their own destiny Um, so unless there's a sort of grassroots change maybe not but perhaps better again you know better cooperation better uh, unionisation is always a good way of making sure that these bad things don't get too bad Um, unions have been sort of crushed over the last 50 years or so very much but why not lead the charge to have unions become more of a thing again and to live in more of a sort of uh, a more left-leaning socialist kind of a state by the players uniting and saying, well, we're going on general strike if you don't uh, agree to our conditions. So that's a, that's one way they could go about it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great way for sort of like the current professionals, 100%. Uh, but, but I mean, what, what I find really interesting is that there's an attitude change um in kids i would say around 12 years old you start to see it they run around the football pitch a rugby pitch wherever they're doing whatever they're doing they do it there's a smile on their face it's just fun 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 and then you kind of get to an age where straight away they're going oh you're good enough to play for this team you're not so you can go in that team or we'll cut you completely because you're not good enough um, and things like that. And the fun starts coming out of it. It gets way too competitive. And, you know, we're expecting so much from kids. Yeah. Which is why it's such a small percentage ever make it professional. Uh, we'll use football because obviously it's the national sport here and stuff like that. And, you know, I've got kids on her team I coach where, you know, one of them I had was part of a team and never played never got played because he wasn't good enough wasn't confident enough wasn't good enough didn't play um so i made sure he was getting played uh, what i explained to these kids as well there are times where we might be playing against a team where i know one of you is going to struggle so you might not get 
as much game time this week as I, 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 I would usually give you. But I promise you, you'll get that made back the next game, regardless and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm not obviously going to name days, but I've got one kid. He's not overly fit and he's not very fast. So when we play a team that's like fast and strong and stuff like that, he's not going to get any enjoyment from that game. So I'll explain to you, you know, you're going to spend probably a bit more time on the bench for me, unfortunately. But this is what we'll do the next game. I try and sort of like keep it that it's the fun. And it's never about the result. It's about how much fun you're having together. You know, and everyone knows it is more fun to win. Um, I'm not one of those that go, oh, it's the taking part that counts. Because we all know it's more fun to win. No one likes losing sort of like seven, eight, nine nil every week. So you want them to be competitive to a degree, but not. So it's the be all and end all. And it comes from the parents as well. I've seen kids play with a freedom when their parents aren't there watching them. Um, yeah. And you see a difference in them. And, and again, I think that's becomes because even when your kid's not very good at sport, you've got some parents go, my kid's going to make it. Or if he doesn't make it as doing this, then he's some kind of failure. It's like, it's a badge of honour that your kid's good at a particular sport. And if they're not quite as good at that particular sport or that thing they've tried as another kid, then it's a failure as you as a parent. And it's not. And we see that then that, oh, my kid's not doing as well. So I'll then relate that to that, that footballer who's being paid however many thousands of pounds a week should be doing well because he's, you know, he's on that much money. What's he got to worry about? He should be a robot. They should be a robot. You know, Um, you see it sometimes where I think um, the England women's team lost the final to or semi-final to the USA in the Women's World Cup. And they was abused for it. A lot of abuse for it because they didn't play that well. And it's like, but they're not even getting the, the, the full-time pay to be able to train as much as the men's team. So what are you expecting from them? What what really are you expecting? Many professional women's footballers have to have second jobs. It's only just starting to change now. And we're expecting them to have the same level of dedication, skill, strength, speed, understanding, media training, everything that we're getting from pl- people who are being paid 100000 200000 pounds per week. And it's just not possible and we as a nation start sucking the fun out of it all and they wonder why certain players look miserable why certain athletes don't look like they're always having a good time and if they do look like they're having a good time but not playing well they get abused for it there was um a recent one where what some of the leicester players missed out on a top four spot uh, but walked off at the on at the end of the game with the, the tottenham players and they was having a laugh and a joke. And online, they got abused for it. Because they dared yeah. have a laugh and a joke after failing, so to speak. Um, and God forbid any of those players are black. Because then it's even worse. And we wonder why players or, or you know, athletes. I mean, I'm saying athletes, but I think this even goes down to actors, musicians, anyone in the public eye. Why they struggle with their mental health so badly because this, we messed them up even more so than we ever done before. And we, I don't want to say it's on, on the famous now to start sort of like really being open about their mental health because I don't want to put that pressure on anyone. But hopefully more people can take a stand like Naomi Osaka and we can start to actually realise how much of an effect this is having you, we don't just get shocked by the next celebrity or sports person that's 
ended their own life because they just can't cope with it anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, but um, on a more positive note, sports. Sports is also a great, great thing. Um, we just got back today from taking Edith to do football and she just plays with an absolute smile on her face the whole time and um, she got complimented on how sort of like well she's she's getting on, how well she can use both feet and, you know, she's, she's only four and she shouldn't really be playing until she's five and in school, but how well she keeps up and stuff like that and she just absolutely adores it. So for all the negatives you hear about sports sometimes, it's lovely where you see kids just absolutely living their best life with it it's a great thing for them um and i think we need to see more and more clubs not just for for your football and your your rugby's and your popular things but i think we need to see more and more kids clubs come back because when kids do something they enjoy it's just the most warmest feeling you can get to see them yeah that's great news about edith enjoying that (laughs) yeah yeah and it's, it's a general great point too that yes these options should be there and they should be only competitive as in far as the game, yeah. you know, during that, during that game. Yeah. And then outside of that, it should be forgotten. There should be that option uh, so that all kids can just get involved. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the reasons I actually I love that my son's with his ADHD. It really doesn't matter if he wins or loses or whatever, has a good game, bad game. He gets in the car afterwards and it's gone. Whatever's just happened in that previous hour or so, it's just gone. Yeah, it's whatever. Done now. Awesome. He's done it after winning finals he's like yeah it's really good celebrates for a few minutes gets off and sort of like everyone else is still buzzing he's like well it's finished <laughs> it's done <laughs> i don't see what the big deal is so i love that he can just switch off like it and, and i think again it's something i think when kids can do that i i think something we as adults could we should really look at the way kids can just switch off from things like that and learn from that i agree I agree. It shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. Definitely yes. not. And yeah. we're going to have a final segue. Segue! 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 Because talking of switching off, I'm going to switch my mouth off. Unless you've got anything else to add, I'm going to let you do your thing. I like doing my thing, so that's good. And, yeah, so... Hopefully, everybody's had a good week, uh, as I usually say. You know, I hope you have, and I hope that you've got a good one in prospect, but we recognise things can be difficult. So, talk to as many people as you can and who you feel comfortable talking to. And also, make sure you follow our content. So, we're on all the socials, and you can also support us on Patreon if you can afford it and you feel like it, and also on Coffee. You can email us at podcast at mentalhealthgaming.com. Otherwise, have a great week. Take care, stay safe, and stay sane.